1: You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello there, podcast people, ladies and gentlemen of Luke's English Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, um, and, you know, all the other things that listen to this podcast. I say things. Objects. We've moved on to objects now. I've done pets, I've done aliens... I've done ghosts. I think I've freaked a few people out there with the idea that there may be ghosts listening to this podcast as well. I've done all the pets, done the, you know, done all the other possible beings, NSA agents who are listening in. Hello, you're all welcome. But uh things as well now, objects that might be lying around. I'd like to say hello to any of the objects in your in your home that uh, happen to be there while you're listening to this. Hello. Hello uh any fruit, any vegetables that uh, are in the vicinity. What am I talking about? Obviously, it's just another stupid, ridiculous intro to an episode of this podcast uh, that you are now listening to. Okay, so here it is. It's actually happening. Uh, This is the, this is in fact, uh, I think episode 350. Kind of a landmark episode, but I'm not going to go on about it. 350. Yep. Numbers. That's how numbers work. They come one after the other, and if you keep going, eventually you get to big numbers like 350. And that's exactly what's happened in this episode. Here we are, 350. Seemed like just the other day. Just the other day when I was recording the 300th episode. Um, 350. Well, well, well. Anyway, no need to dwell on that uh, any more than I've done already in previous moments like this. Um, instead, let's cut to the chase. Let's get straight down to it. So this is the final episode Uh, Don't worry, not the final episode of the podcast. Oh, no, 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 no. The final episode in this superhero series, okay? And simply put, I'm going to talk about the latest X-Men movie. Uh, Now, you might not be into the superhero stuff. You might have already had enough of that stuff. And I totally understand, okay? I totally understand. But let me just give you a heads up about this episode, okay? Before you switch off or something and go, I don't like superheroes. You like heroes, though, don't you? Yeah, of course you do. Yes, you do like everyone likes a hero. Imagine a hero, but super. Okay, I know it's uh, comic books are oh, that's all kid stuff, but heroes we like them, especially when they're David Bowie heroes. We could be heroes. That's what they need to play in a superhero film, don't you reckon? It's David Bowie doing, we could be heroes. Um, that would be good. Anyway what am I saying? What am I saying? What am I trying to say? Let me give you a heads up about this episode. Basically, um, um, yeah, I understand if you don't like the superhero stuff, but you might like this one, okay? You might like this episode. It's not too geeky or or anything like that. Essentially, I didn't like the X-Men film, okay? I didn't like it, And so, in fact, in this episode, I'm more interested in making fun of the film than actually talking about it in any kind of serious way, okay? So that actually might make it more fun to listen to than the other superheroes uh, episodes I've done lately, okay? So you can just kick back and enjoy me taking the piss out of this film. Um, Honestly, I really enjoyed recording this episode. Uh, It was far more fun than actually watching the film itself, you know? Sometimes... For me, talking about a film is actually a lot more enjoyable than watching it, especially if the film is a cheesy mess full of cliches, incoherent plot lines and stereotypical bad guys. Um, So even if you haven't seen the film, I invite you to listen to this episode, uh, have a bit of a laugh and then just move on to the next one, Okay? Uh, There are no... There shouldn't be any major plot spoilers in the review, although if you haven't seen the film and you're planning on watching it, then um, I don't know, then, you know, my opinion of the film might have an influence on your enjoyment. I don't know, but I have made an effort not to give away too many big plot spoilers. Okay, so don't worry if you haven't seen it. Um, I shouldn't be giving away the, the plot of the film. Um, instead, I'm just going to be giving my general opinion of it. Um, and, uh, I mean, uh, oh God. Lost my train of thought there. That's going to have to start again. Am I going to have to start again? No, I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep riding the train. I'm going to keep. Uh, I'm going to keep holding on to the uh, to the elephant. That's not an expression. You might <laughs> just watch out. That I'm going to keep holding on to the elephant. That's not an expression in English. Okay. So if you're wondering, if you're writing things down at this point, you're gonna, writing down all the expressions that you hear. That's not an expression. I've just come up with that. No one's ever said that before. I've just created that on the spur of the moment in order to deal with um, uh, a a sort of a a moment there. What am I trying to say? I've got a train of thought. I'm trying to read from some notes that I've written here, and I'm trying to make it coherent. Uh, But at the same time, I'm trying to uh, speak off the top of my head because I know that that's a bit more normal and natural. I'm trying to be natural, you see but then I end up coming up with new expressions like, you know, I'm going to try and keep riding the elephant, which is not a phrase, okay? What I mean, what I meant when I said I'm going to keep riding the train and keep riding the elephant, what I meant there is that I'm just going to keep talking uh, and keep trying to follow my train of thought. Now, train of thought, that is an expression in English, but I'm going to keep riding the train or I'm going to keep riding the elephant. No, just dismiss those, you can just put those down to sort of improvisation in the, on the spur of the moment. There's another one. All right, then. So what I was trying to say is, uh, don't worry if you haven't seen this X-Men film. Um, uh, I hope not to spoil it. But my general opinion of the film, uh, if you're going to see it, my general opinion of the film might have an influence of, on your enjoyment of it. Or maybe not. I don't know. Perhaps you will completely disagree with me. Perhaps you will see this film... Or maybe you've already seen it, and you'll completely disagree with my opinion, uh, and it'll, you know, make no difference at all, okay? So, what's the film I'm talking about? It's called X-Men Apocalypse. It's actually the third film in the re- in the rebooted X-Men franchise, and it's it's about, I think, the sixth film in the X-Men series as a whole, if you don't include the two Wolverine films and the Deadpool movie, all right? So, I went to see it the other day, about a week ago, and I immediately... After coming home, uh, I immediately recorded uh, a review, and I'm going to play that review to you in just a moment, okay? Now, a bit of context. You know the X-Men, right? Of course you do. You know the X-Men. You've you've probably seen one or two of the films before. The X-Men, basically, these are superheroes who are kind of... they're mutants, aren't they? They're mutants. Um... They, it's it's kind of interesting that the X Men idea that basically these people have got these extraordinary superpowers, and um, they just sort of arrive. They discover their own powers usually during their teenage years, during sort of puberty. It seems that these latent superpowers sort of actually activate. And often in these X-Men films, you follow the stories of how these individuals sort of discovered their powers and how that radically changed their lives. And you know, they have to try and deal with the, the the complexities of having these specific powers. Some of them are like really out of control and mad powers. And it takes them some time to kind of get to, you know, to deal with the differences. Um, you also sometimes with these characters... You explore the way that their families and the people who are close to them react to them having powers. It's quite interesting because it's sort of a metaphor for like difference. It's maybe a metaphor for something like sexual orientation or maybe ethnic background. Anything that marks you out as different to the others. That's what the X Men represent, really. And it's all about sort of how society reacts to different difference and different types of people, how those individuals, um, can sort of grow up to, uh, um, accept their, their differences and, uh, use them as powers and, you know, own their own powers and, and all that sort of thing. So the concept is quite good. Um, I like the, the concept generally. It's it's an interesting sort of social commentary. If you want to read it that way, you know, you can. You can look into the deeper subtext and stuff. But also, on top of it, usually these X-Men films are sort of just a really fun experience where you get to see people doing extraordinary things with different powers. The powers are quite interesting because, like I said, they they seem to just sort of discover them. They're mutations. They discover them during puberty. And it's it seems... To be pretty random, like the, the powers are just random. It's potluck what kind of power you get. Um, some people seem to get quite lucky with their powers and they develop these amazing powers. Like, for example, Wolverine is basically indestructible. If you if you injure him, if you cut his flesh, it'll just heal him instantly. You basically can't kill him. He'll just heal, heal himself immediately. Other characters have got sort of other incredible powers. Like, for example, they, there's a guy who can just disappear and reappear in a completely new place. He can just teleport. Boom, like that. Teleport into a room and he can take people with him. As well, so for example, you know, uh, I don't know. If you're in a, if you want to go and see a, uh, a football match and you don't have a ticket, you can just boom, teleport into the stadium, um, and you can take your friends with you. So you grab your mates and a bunch of beers and boom, that's the noise it makes. Boom. I don't think that's the noise it makes. That's the noise it makes when I do it anyway. Boom, and then poof, you arrive in the football stadium and. You don't need to buy a ticket. That's brilliant, isn't it? There's a guy who can, like, create portals in space. I think it's a guy or a girl. I can't can't remember. She just creates this portal like a hole in the wall, and then you can just walk through it, and the portal closes. Amazing. Perfect for robbing banks uh, or perfect for skipping queues. Just create a portal, walk through it, close the portal. No problem. So a lot of these powers are incredible and amazing. Although some of the powers it seems, are not so great. And, and you know, you, it's, it's possible to be less lucky. Like, some of the powers are just a bit rubbish. Like, I think in one of the films, there's a guy who can just create, who can just make spikes come out of his face. <sighs> just like a porcupine. Loads of spikes can just come out of his head. And they are, I don't know how long... The spikes are probably about half a foot long, maybe 15 centimetre long porcupine spikes phoom, stick out of his head and then phoom, back again. Which, if you compare that to some of the other powers, like being able to teleport, you're going to be gutted, aren't you, if you get that one? You're going to go to the X-Men mutant school, the Mutant Academy, and meet all the other X-Men and be like, oh, I wonder what kind of stuff people can produce out of their skin. Like maybe they people can sort of produce gel or you know and and he's looking around it's like my god that person can teleport that person can just turn into a liquid and and you know and i can just make spikes come out of my face that's the best you can do that's the best he can do uh not very useful i imagine he's i mean he's not always he doesn't feature in in many of the big missions does he that guy because you know what's he gonna do if they're trying to stop the bad guys it's like okay we've got uh, Wolverine we've got all the other amazing characters and uh you what's your name again a porcupine head yeah porcupine head um that's it what are you going how are you going to defeat the bad guys well i've got this <laughs> no that's not really that's i don't i can't see how that's going to be useful unless maybe you can just get really close to a person like maybe pretend to kiss them when you meet them you know hello nice to meet you i'm porcupine head and go in for a kiss like they do in france and <laughs> That's the only way you can get a person if you've got a porcupine head, right? Um, I suppose he's he's useful in certain situations, like for example, if there's a party, you know, if there's a cocktail party or something, they can just be like, "Okay, porcupine head, we've got a job for you. We're having a cocktail party. Just make the spikes come out of your head. That's it. Do that fun thing. There you go. Great. We can just what we'll what we're going to do is just stick bits of cheese and pineapple." onto those spikes and just walk around the party okay just mingle and let people take the take some cheese and when you're finished just come back for some more okay nice one thanks porcupine head thanks very much so yeah some of the powers are are, are good some of them are not so good like for example if you're porcupine head um i'm sure that porcupine head can do other things Uh, can he you might listening to this you might know all about the X-Men franchise and you might be able to say well actually porcupine head is also able to uh, fire projectile porcupines at uh, people he's actually able to create uh porcupines the the animals he can just produce porcupines and then throw them at people you know there you go take a porcupine he can do like a hadoken for porcupines hadoken and then Porcupine will fly through the air at a person. Ah, that really hurts. Stop it. Or maybe he can just produce loads of porcupines and they all uh, at the same time will attack a person. It's like, ah, too many porcupines. I can't breed. Ah, ah, de- death. Porcupine death. Um, if you know about Porcupine Head and if you know his real name, then let me know. Um, all right. So there you go. That's the X Men. That's like a little summary of, of, of who they are. um let's move on to the review okay the review of the x-men apocalypse film okay so now i'd like you to imagine me coming out of the cinema walking home after watching this film and then getting into my flat picking up my microphone and immediately starting to record these comments before i'd even taken off my jacket so i started recording this even before i'd taken off my jacket Okay, that's how serious I was about recording this episode. I'm like, I don't don't need to remove the jacket. Let's just get straight into the recording. We'll take the jacket off later. I've got priorities. Um, Okay, so that's the context. Now let's go. Let's listen to the review, and I'll speak to you again after this film review. Okay, then? So here's my review of X-Men Apocalypse. Hello there. So I've just come back from seeing X-Men Apocalypse... Um, the next superhero film that's come out the, the latest one so just like what less than a week since i saw uh the the new marvel film um and so here's what i thought of it um well it was um it was rubbish it was a load of rubbish okay it was a pile of pants it was terrible it was awful um not entirely there is there were some things that uh were okay I'll go into those things in a moment. But generally, my first impression was it was awful, okay? Uh, Crap. I'd be surprised if this gets more than about 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I don't know if it's been reviewed yet, in fact, because um, this was the first day it's been out in France. Um, But, um, I mean, let's see, probably about 15 to 20 minutes in, I realized that it was a stinker. Um, and, uh, I'm going to go through those things, uh, in just a second. I've literally just come in, I'm still wearing my coat, so I'm going to take my coat off. This is the sound of me taking my coat off. Um, how authentic is this? Listen, listen to the actual sound of my actual coat being actually taken off by me, actually me. Here we go. Now, that, what you just heard there, me taking my coat off, that was more dramatic, uh, probably more interesting, and had more emotional engagement in it than the entire, almost the entire uh, duration of this film. Um, I mean, it's not without its merits, okay? There were a few things like, let's see, where shall I, be- where shall I begin? Where shall I begin? I think you probably know about the X Men movies. They're, I think this is probably the sixth x-men film although there have been a couple of wolverine spin-offs but this is the sixth one and three films ago we had x-men first class and that was the reboot of the franchise we know that superhero films keep rebooting themselves they love to do that don't they they love to reboot themselves And start again, because, you know, it's all about the origin stories and stuff like that. And that was done very successfully with the Batman films, you know, directed by Christopher Nolan. Very successful reboot. Um, And the X-Men franchise rebooted itself a couple of films ago with X-Men First Class, which is kind of, yeah, it just told the origin stories of the main characters. And then after that, we had X-Men Days of Future Past, which um, was pretty good. I enjoyed that one. I mean, X-Men First Class and X-Men Days of Future Past were pretty good, especially the the Days of Future Past one. Uh, It wasn't outstanding, but it was pretty good. Um, It was quite interesting the way that they had this fairly convoluted plot device which meant that uh, they had to go back into the past. So you had the X-Men from the original series going back uh, somehow using Wolverine to go back into the past in order to save the future from, um, Annihilation, right? And Wolverine was, you know, one of the central characters, and, uh, whenever Wolverine's in an X-Men film, they tend to be pretty good, okay? If you've got Wolverine in the middle of it, then you're probably going to have, uh, a good film. Now, Wolverine is not fully involved in this one. He does appear briefly, um, and it, the moments in which Wolverine are on screen are some of the most enjoyable moments of the film. Um, But um, this film, in terms of its storyline... Okay, uh, let's see. Maybe I should begin with some of the positive things and then go into all the the reasons why I don't like it. And I'm going to avoid spoilers, okay? So positive things. First of all, you get some great acting talent in there. Um, Particularly Michael Fassbender as Magneto. And um, James McAvoy as... uh, Charles Xavier and also you get Jennifer Lawrence as um, another character called uh, Mystique and then a, a few other um, actors in there too but it's mainly those people plus the little cameo appearance of um, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. So it's always nice to see these these uh, actors performing in any film and they do bring a certain level of, of quality to proceedings and I can't imagine how it would be without them because... I mean, you know, for example, my, Michael Fassbender. I will watch him do pretty much anything. Um, I mean, if they made a film about him just walking around having a normal day, then I would watch it probably because I think that he's um, a charismatic person and you know, just a, an engaging screen presence and all that sort of thing. So he does bring a certain amount of gravity uh, to the to the film, and so do some of those other actors. So that's one good thing. Let's see, another good thing is that there is there's a character in it called Quicksilver. And the thing about Quicksilver is that he is really fast. He can run really fast. It's like he slows down time and is able to then just run around while everyone else is like frozen in time. And that means that he can do all these incredible things like he can basically, I mean, it's one of the most amazing superpowers you can have. He can essentially pause time or, or slow time down so that it's almost paused. And then he can just go around moving everything and changing everything. And, you know, no one can stop him. Um, pretty much no one can stop him. And just like in the previous film, the the Days of Future Past film, um, in this one, there are a couple of action sequences that involve Quicksilver and they are the most entertaining things. I mean, when that happens, it's like, wow, amazing, fantastic. And it's so good and so different to the general quality of the film that those moments kind of take you out of the film, in fact. I mean, it, it would have been better if they'd just ditched the whole of this story and just gone with a Quicksilver movie. Um, because those are definitely so much better than the rest of the film that when Quicksilver is doing his thing, you kind of realise just how ridiculous the rest of it is. Um, so the Quicksilver moments are, are really good fun, even though they don't really make sense and they don't really fit in with the, the rest of the, the story. Uh, what else? There is an emotional moment at the end. There's an emotional sort of love story moment that's fairly touching. What um, What else? what i I don't think there's much else to say really in terms of positive stuff i might think of some other things if they come to me um but uh what about the bad things all right there's plenty of stuff to say here um so first of all the storyline it it doesn't really make any sense um and it's 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 really inconsistent it's basically the without giving away a lot of plot points what we what we have in this film is um, there's this sort of super mutant. He's like the king of mutants. Because you know X, X-Men is all about mutants, right? Um, sorry, I'm just, um, just going to make myself some coffee while I'm talking to you. You can just hear me preparing that here in the kitchen. So, essentially the story is that there's this really super-duper evil mutant from um, something like 3200 B.C., So, you know, around the time of Stonehenge or something, uh, in I think it's Egypt, um, you see some pyramids and stuff. So it kind of gives it a nice atmosphere of, like, you know, the mystery of the pyramids. And, you know, there are these sort of theories that the pyramids... We don't really know why the pyramids were created. Maybe they were created... um, uh, you know by some ancient civilization with um, some religion that we don 't know about it 's a bit of a mystery, and so the film starts with the pyramids, which is quite an interesting context because it does kind of you know, make you think of the, the weird mystery of, of that um, civilization. It makes me think of that anyway, because i don 't know that much about um, what, you know uh, the pyramids and where they came from. Um, but in this movie version, um, in this movie version, it's it seems that first of all you have this kind of uh, ritual in which this king of the mutants, uh, whose name is Apocalypse, appears to be sort of um, I don't know transferring power from one mutant to him. It's a bit complicated, and it doesn't really make sense. But it seems that in order to stay alive, he needs to sort of consume the power of other mutants. And there's this big ceremony in which it's happening, and something goes wrong, and he ends up being trapped uh, underground for thousands of years until uh, until this movie takes place, and he's sort of awoken. I mean, even the way in which he's awoken is ridiculous. I mean, like this CIA agent, CIA agent is investigating and she basically finds a, a hole in the ground covered by a piece of carpet and she goes down and the light sort of uh, shines on the tomb and he gets awoken. I mean, it, it's that easy. It's literally just a hole in the ground covered by a piece of carpet and he wakes up and then he goes around recruiting mutants to be his, the force, four horsemen of the apocalypse and, I mean, this is supposed to be an ancient, ancient evil, the most powerful mutant that's ever lived. And he's supposed to be incredibly frightening and incredibly powerful. But watching him walking around Egypt after he's woken up, it's just... its You can't take him seriously. He's not scary enough. Um, he's not convincing enough. He just looks ridiculous. And you, the whole time he's on screen, you're just like, who is this blue guy? And he's like, the you know, it's... He is the most stereotypical uh, action movie, or he's the most stereotypical superhero bad guy. He speaks in all the classic superhero bad guy cliches. You know, the kind of thing, you know, he's like an evil bad guy, most powerful man. um, And he wants to, you know, take over the world and destroy civilization and sort of replace it all with his new world order kind of thing. You know, that sort of vague fascist sort of um, ideology. And he speaks in nothing but stereotypes. So he's constantly saying things like, you know, uh, things like all of these weak minded fools, they will pay for their for their ignorance. And we will crush the civilization. And from the ashes, we will build a new world. Uh, oh god. I'm Not another megalomaniacal uh, bad guy from a superhero movie. I mean, I'd be more impressed if he was more original, you know? If he had a slightly more original approach, but it's like, oh god, you know, we've seen this before, haven't we? Um <laughs> also, he's so he's he, he he comes from uh like ancient Egypt, okay? Sort of 5000 years ago or more. And uh, first of all, he learns English really, really quickly. I mean, <laughs> as an English teacher, I know that it takes a long time to learn uh, a foreign language, right? It's, you know, it, people are, people study English, as you well know, for years, and it's an ongoing process. This guy watches about a minute of television, and immediately he's got it. He's got English, and he, he chooses English for no apparent reason. As well, English immediately becomes his... Uh, his his first language or a second language i suppose i don't know what his original language would be but he he chooses english for no apparent reason i suppose he just immediately gets a sense that that english is the international language he seems to be quite sort of um uh quite savvy quite uh quite shrewd in that way that he immediately identifies english even though he's arrived in egypt so naturally you'd imagine he'd learn arabic first but no he goes straight for english um and so he learns english and he he does this ridiculous thing where he watches a TV. Oh, by the way, the whole thing's set in the 80s. Okay? Um there is a reason for that, but never mind. Um he learns uh he first of all he learns English by just I guess engaging in conversation with a girl who speaks English as a second language for about a minute, and that's enough time for all the English to come. I know he's got superpowers. Um but, I mean, really, no one ever said anything about him having, a, you know, the super language acquisition ability. Uh, but, no, English arrives immediately. And, in fact, he, um, he, uh, he, he starts using words that he definitely hasn't even heard yet. Like, for example, he looks at the TV and, what does he say? He says, ignorance, I think. And you think to yourself, he's definitely, he's, he hasn't heard or read the word ignorance yet since he woke up. where did he get the word ignorance from? Um, You know, studies say that you need to hear a word something like 10 times and use it about 10 times before it becomes part of your active vocabulary. This guy's just plucked the word ignorance out of nowhere. And then he manages to understand and learn everything about the world just by watching about two minutes of CNN. Now, if you watched CNN for two minutes, you would get a very narrow view of what's actually going on on this planet but he watches CNN for about a couple of minutes and he learns the whole thing he's like that's it that's all I need to know I've got it I've pretty much worked worked this place out and I've already got my plan to be honest it would it would be the same plan regardless of, of what's going on here it's just the same old story. It's what I always do, which is like oh, I don't really like the way things are here are here on Earth, and I think I'd be it would be better if I was in charge. So let's start again, okay? It's basically that that's his plan, and I don't think it would change. You know, if for example we were all recycling successfully, uh, I, I think it would be the same thing. So essentially, he he does this really stupid thing where he touches the screen of the TV and somehow absorbs all of the information from the world just by touching the screen of the TV. And it's just, this is the moment for me in the film where I just said, no, no, I'm not going with this. No, sorry. Sorry, this is not working. This is a joke. And it's a joke that's not even funny. It's not supposed to be a joke. It's supposed to be scary and impressive. So he touches the television for, for a minute, and, you know, his eyes start to start, start to flutter. He kind of closes his eyes and starts to absorb all the information from the world. And he starts saying these things under his breath. He's like, oh, weapons. You know, when he starts to learn about all the bad things in the world. Weapons, destruction, superpower, Ronald Reagan, you know, things like that. You know, he, he, he sort of, in just a few minutes, he... Really grasps what a mess the world is, you know. Oh, Pop Tarts, you know, Margaret Thatcher, you know what I mean. And it's set in the 80s as well, so it's all the bad things about the 80s, you know, like, oh, bad quality video, uh, bad quality video projectors, you know, that sort of thing. Like Oh, god, no internet. So, um, and he, he takes a look at the world and he decides, no, I don't like this. I think I'm going to, you know, uh, destroy it all and then start again. And he doesn't really go into any more detail than that. It's just like, we will destroy it and from the ashes we'll create a new world. Okay, do we have to? It sounds like a lot of work, you know? Can't we just stay in and play Grand Theft Auto? No? Okay, then. Um, and he goes around um, recruiting. He recruits four mutants. And, um, the mutants are pretty quickly convinced by him. I don't see exactly, I didn't see much negotiation going on. It's not like he said, look, come with me. I know I look weird. I know I speak in cliches. I know, uh, I'm really unconvincing. Um, but come with me. And they're like, why? I'm doing all right. Thanks. Just come with me. Oh, okay. Then, um, you don't even see a negotiation like that going on there's no conversation it's just like hi i'm apocalypse i'm the official bad guy of this film and the plot says you have to join me and the others you know the the the, essentially the the four mutants (coughs) well i think three of those mutants that he recruits they're basically like well (sighs) got nothing better to do so i might as well and um you know i like i'd like to be in an x-man film so all right then i'll join you and uh, a lot of the time, it seems what he he seems to spend a lot of the time re- in in terms of the training that he gives to these new recruits. I don't really see much. I don't really see what he does. He te- he basically gives them all a makeover. He's like, mm, if you're going to join me, I want to change your hair. That's right. Give you that's right. I want you to look like a, a punk because you've got to look evil and and unconventional. And you know, let's change these clothing. This these clothes. Let's give you this outfit. One of the mutants that he recruits is, is the actress Olivia Munn, who's been in, in TV shows and stuff. She's, I, I honestly, I don't know who her character is. Though they, it they, it was not developed, you don't really get a sense of who she is, what she wants, where she's come from, or even what her powers are. She she also has. It seems that she's just got a purple thing as her superpower. She has this... First of all, she's got a samurai sword in one hand. And then in the other hand, she's got this, like, long purple blade. Which seems to just come out of her hand. Like, this long purple blade. And you kind of think, why have you got the samurai sword if you've got that? You've got a long purple magical blade. You don't really need the samurai sword anymore, do you? You might as well just leave it at home. But no, she has both. You know, why not, I suppose. Um, And in terms of her character development, basically as far as I can tell, she's just not nice. She's not very nice. That's her motivation. She's just not a very nice person. She seems to be a bit jealous. She's a bit judgmental. Um, she's just a bit evil. Um, and it's not really clear why. And that's it, really, for her. And um, he, um, when he recruits her, it seems the only thing he does is just sort of say to her, "Okay, I'd like you to just wear slightly different clothing, please. Can you wear a sexier outfit?" That's Apocalypse's plan for this woman. I don't even know her name in the film. He's just like, "Yeah, you can join me, but one condition, I want you to wear a much more revealing costume. I want you to show your cleavage and show us your legs because you're hot, right? You're Olivia Munn, you're really hot. And if you're going to be on my team, you know, I you can hang around with me and look awesome and be evil." But just show us your boobs and your your legs a little bit more. Um, and she seems to be again. She seems to be fine with that. Um, and there's also there's a couple of other. Oh, <sighs> do I have to go into into more detail? Probably not. I mean, Magneto gets involved in in this. He gets sort of uh, convinced to join Apocalypse through a very convoluted storyline um and again it's not quite clear why he joins him other than the fact that he's pissed off with the world magneto is is angry with the world because of the way that it treats him because he's a mutant and so basically he's like well what the hell come on then let's just let's destroy the world then that's fine and apocalypse needs to use magneto in particular and other mutants in order to fulfill his plan so he's like so he gets magneto to use his metal controlling powers to destroy the Earth, but you kind of think, well, wait a minute, I thought apocalypse, I thought you were the most powerful mutant. can't you do that yourself so if we took if we look at apocalypse, okay, first of all, what are his powers? Well, um it seems he's got pretty much all of the powers he's got some mind control, he can travel through through space. You know, he can just sort of teleport to different places. Um, And uh, he also has this weird thing where he seems to be able to manipulate objects. So to kill people, he kind of squishes them into walls. He kind of fuses people with with the wall. And he seems to be able to turn people to dust if he wants to. And he can lift and move objects. You know, he's got telekinetic powers and stuff. So, you know, he seems to be pretty great. But kind of think why don't you just use all those powers yourself because he he gets Magneto to move all the metal objects and you think well you can move objects too why don't you just do it on your own i don't know i suppose he's supposed to be lonely and he just needs company or something uh, i'm not convinced and uh, don't i mean okay don't don't waste your money and don't go and see it in the cinema unless you want to Uh, unless you want to see for yourself, because you might disagree with me. You might see the film and think, oh, that was brilliant. I loved it. Um, So everyone's got a different uh, reading of a movie. Personally, I thought this one um, was a a huge pile of of underpants, essentially, but you might have a different opinion. Uh, But I recommend that instead of going to the cinema and spending your money on it, wait for it to come out you know, on the internet. Wait for it to come out on iTunes or, you know, whatever other streaming service you use. And have a few friends round and stick it on the TV and have fun uh, making fun of the film. Because all the way through, there are so many moments where it's just ripe for for making fun of it. So you can enjoy having some friends around and just making comments and making fun of the film because it's it's not really good. And it's not even a. Uh, it's not even funny, really. I mean, like Civil War, Captain America: Civil War. It's a. It takes itself pretty seriously sometimes, but for the most part, it's got like a a really witty little sense of humor, and it's charming. And so you forgive little problems with the plot. You forgive it, uh, the fact that it's two and a half hours long, because it's charming and it's funny, and and you know that's um, that's what keeps you watching, and it's likeable. This one, it tries to make you laugh a couple of times in the first 20 minutes, and then it just gives up, and it just carries on with the same old cliche-ridden stuff. The storyline... First of all doesn't well it doesn't really make that much sense because you don't know the motivations of the characters that much except for Magneto um and uh, uh Mystique and Professor Charles Xavier. You basically know where they're coming from. But really the film is not necessary in terms of the X-Men franchise as a narrative. You know the whole the, the larger story of the X-Men universe is not really affected by this film. And in fact you get the sense that at the beginning At the end of this film, we are in pretty much exactly the same place as we were at the start. And nothing's really changed. A bunch of... I'll tell you what's changed. Lots and lots of uh, cities and places around the world have been really, really badly damaged. The film doesn't really go into detail about that. Like, New York City gets almost destroyed. Um, Cairo is completely smashed to pieces. It's just turned into a bunch of, like... It's just destroyed completely. No one mentions that. In fact, the end of the film, it's like, oh, we're all back to where we were again. Everything's fine. Well, it's not fine because the rest of the world is going to have to spend billions and billions of pounds fixing all the damage. What about all the people who who must have died uh, in in all this action? I mean, Civil War deals with that. It deals with the collateral damage that happens as a result of these ridiculous superhero fights. But this one just completely glosses over that there's no mention of that at all i mean even even the superman movies which are not great either at least they deal with that stuff but no you get none of that in the x-men in this x-men film um i mean i quite like the concept of the x-men i like the fact that it's essentially about people who are different it's about prejudice and the way that the world deals with um people that are considered to be different in some way you know that 's the subtext really of of the x men that you get a a group of people who who've who've grown up different and the world judges them and the world um, um, wants to kind of uh, the world doesn 't know what to do with them the world persecutes them because they 're different and so they are there to kind of you know work together and it 's it, it It's about, you know, attitudes towards difference and, you know, whether that's like gender difference or racial difference or or sexual differences and things like that. And it's all about, you know, being accepting of, of differences and, and, and so on. That's essentially what the X-Men is about for me. Um, but this story doesn't really bring anything new to that. That's already been dealt with many times before in the X-Men franchise. I think they really dropped the ball on this film. Um, the bad guy is in- unconvincing. I mean, okay, he's played by Oscar Isaac. I didn't even realize that during the film, but he's played by Oscar Isaac, who I normally really enjoy in films. Like he's he's in the the newest Star Wars film, and he was in uh, the Cohen Brothers film called uh, Inside Lewin Davis, and he's great. He's like uh, a good actor, and he's charismatic. I think he was the wrong choice for the bad guy in this film because, first of all, you don't he he's not he doesn't have a lot of um, menace you know from a bad guy like this you want someone to have a lot of menace you want them to be physically imposing and oscar isaac is at best average in height so the bad guy is not even that tall you know you want him to be tall and imposing and scary he's just an average height you know he's over average height and he's blue and he speaks in an old-fashioned dialect and his powers are inconsistent. The whole thing is inconsistent i'll be honest completely inconsistent um i'll leave you with this right um there's a there's a moment in the film because it's set in the 1980s there's a moment in the film where some of the characters come out of the cinema and they've been to see return of the jedi which as we know is the third in the original star wars trilogy right they come out of the film and they're talking about return of the jedi and they're saying oh that wasn't very good and you know the other ones are going oh i liked i quite liked it but you know they seem to be saying that it wasn't as good you know someone says oh i preferred empire strikes back it was much better and then one of the characters says yeah but everyone knows that the third film is always the worst a character actually said that in this film everyone knows the third film is always the worst and this is the third film in the new x men trilogy this is the third film so the script writers knew that they were making a rubbish film. They knew it. In fact, they say it in the film. They say this is the worst of the the, the latest X-Men films. Everyone knows the third film is the worst. So the people who made the film knew it was a load of rubbish. Um, and I couldn't believe that when they when they said that. I felt yeah, that was cynical. Maybe it's a wink to the camera as if to say, hey, we know it's a it's a piece of poo but what are you gonna do um either that or it's oh i don't know maybe it was like a a a desperate act there was a uh like the one of the actors managed to get the line in there as a little joke i don't know i I imagine what happened is that the studio executives at 20th century fox they said look we need another x-men film uh, superhero movies are the, the, the biggest box office successes of the moment. Uh, Marvel is ju- has just brought out Civil War. We need an X-Men film. We need to put it here. We need to release it on this date, just after um, the Marvel movie has come out. We need to release it then because we need to make money. Okay, so 20th Century Fox probably just said, we must have this film on this date uh, because, you know, profit is the bottom line. And... Ultimately, I think that's probably more important to the to the studio than making a genuinely great film that helps the franchise as a whole. It's directed by Bryan Singer, who has done most of the X Men films already, and he did a pretty good job on most of them. But I felt like he didn't really have anything new to say in this film. Terrible bad guy with a terrible plan. um, Lots of stuff that doesn't make sense and. except for a couple of performances and a couple of individual scenes the whole film um is a flop in my opinion i wonder if it's been uh, reviewed on rotten tomatoes yet um so you know you know what rotten tomatoes is um i've i think i've mentioned that in the in the past you know what that is. it's basically a website that kind of collates lots of different film reviews um and uh, it kind of gives you an idea of what people think uh of of a film because it kind of collects all the reviews and sticks them together. So this is the um this is what Rotten Tomatoes says about X-Men Apocalypse. So it's got a tomato rating of 52%. So that's actually higher than I thought because um I thought it would it would be less than 40. So it's got 52. It hasn't been out yet. It hasn't been out very long though this film. It's just been released so I'm not sure how many people have, have reviewed it, um, so so maybe as more reviews come in, the tomato meter might go down or up, depending on um, you know what people think of this. Uh, the consensus, according to Rotten Tomatoes, is this: it says um overloaded action and cliched villain take the focus away from otherwise strong performers and resonant themes making X-Men Apocalypse a middling chapter of the venerable superhero franchise so yeah um overloaded action okay a cliched villain yeah that's what i said isn't it take away take the focus away from otherwise strong performers so yeah the performers that we know like Fassbender and and the others Uh, a middling chapter so it's kind of an average in terms of quality uh all right then well there you go um we will check out i'm going to keep my eye on the uh rotten tomatoes score for for this film as we go forwards but that is my review of um x-men apocalypse a pile of pants okay wait for it to come out on dvd or on streaming and then have fun making fun of it at home okay right So there you go. That's what I thought of the film. I thought it was a stinker. Uh, But I did kind of enjoy watching it. And I certainly enjoyed... uh uh, making fun of it afterwards. Um, now I was a bit critical of that film, obviously. Um, I wonder what you think of it, if you've seen it. I should say that, um, it's far, far easier, of course, to criticise a film than it is to make one. And ultimately it's, it's really, really difficult to make a feature film. Uh, I think that most of the films that get made aren't very good. Um, and we only see the ones that get published and given world worldwide releases. I think it's probably really impo- almost impossible to have a vision for a film and then actually get everyone together, get the financing for it and get the script right and the acting, get the actors chosen correctly and the costumes and the special effects and the direction and the editing and get it all exactly right so that the finished film is exactly how you envisioned it in the first place. I'm sure that's really difficult. So, okay, I do have a lot of respect for these filmmakers and things like that. Um, and it's all well and good, me talking about how bad the film was. But, you know, I should give some credit to the the, the filmmakers for actually making the effort in the first place. So well done, Brian Singer and the rest of the cast and stuff like that. Um, but the audience reaction here, though, on the podcast is that... Uh, you know, X-Men Apocalypse, it paled in comparison to the Captain America film, which I thought was a lot better. Um, again, let me know your thoughts in the comments section. I always look forward to reading your comments here. Um, just before we finish, I thought I'd read a few, a few comments on Facebook. Um, so just like, I guess, a week ago, uh, before I started doing these superhero things, I asked the community of Lepsters who follow my page on Facebook. And by the way, I've got a page on Facebook. Of course I do. It's called Luke's English Podcast. That's a surprise, isn't it? Um, on Facebook. You can find it on Facebook. Just search for Luke's English Podcast on on Facebook. Okay? And uh, I wrote a question on on there recently, and it was basically, Who's the best superhero? What do you think? And here are a few comments that I got. So, Francesco said, Definitely you, Luke. Oh, thanks. Thank you, Francesco. Um, thank you. That's very flattering of you. Um, Hamza says... Hamza answered this question in all seriousness. He, um, you know, to be honest, let's cut through the, the jovial joking stuff. Hamza gave a serious answer to this. And he said, uh, The best superheroes... The best superhero? My parents because they deserve all the respect and the best. They give me everything. Huh? Oh, wait a minute. My parents, because they deserve all the respect and the best. They give me everything they could. I'll never forget their sacrifice. Well, that's quite a humbling comment, Hamza. Uh, And uh, I respect what you say, Hamza, that you you obviously have a lot of uh, appreciation for what your parents have done for you. That's nice. We've all got our own personal superheroes, right? Obviously, it's all well and good talking about these movie characters and flying around in the air and saving the world. But um, in reality, we actually have proper superheroes. And often it's just the, the people near you, the people close to you, members of your family or other people in your life, who, quite frankly, we don't often thank. Don't you think? So, you know, maybe after listening to this episode, ladies and gentlemen, what you can do is think about your own personal superhero and think about when was the last time you told them what you really thought? When was the last time you turned to your your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your grandparents, or your best friend, or maybe your teacher, and said to them, you know what, thanks very much. You're like a superhero to me because of all the things that you've done. Um, so Hamza, thanks for bringing some much-needed um, sort of sincerity into uh, into proceedings there. Um Aritz though, continues uh, on the superhero theme by saying, yeah, hard decision, Batman or Spider-Man. I'll go for the latter, as we could now have a different debate. Should Batman be considered a superhero? Uh, So Aritz thinks that Spider-Man is the right one, because Batman isn't a superhero. Uh, Why not, Aritz? Why not? Because he doesn't have superpowers, maybe. Or is it because he's a little bit evil? I mean, you know, he does beat a lot of people up he's a bit of a vigilante i think he's a superhero an anti-superhero maybe um heen back to the uh, back to the sincere uh comments here from heen who says i always admire soldiers who never betray their country even though they were tortured terribly in war <sighs> well it's hard not to be humbled uh, by by a comment like that heen Um, And I almost feel like it's inappropriate for me to continue reading through some of these comments. But uh, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. But Heen, lovely comment. And yeah, those soldiers who get tortured during war, bloody hell. I mean, that's, that's a real sacrifice. They you you 've got to have like absolutely cast iron nerves and strength of mind in order to be able to deal with that kind of situation, so yeah, I totally see where you 're coming from um, Carmen Carmen says that she thinks Deadpool is the most awesome superhero she says Deadpool for sure he can 't be killed and he 's got a cheeky sense of humor and he 's aware of his own existence in the the books and films that he 's in. And he breaks the fourth wall all the time. The fourth wall, you get that idea, don't you, ladies and gents? In a theatre, let's imagine you got a theatre, on the stage you've got a sort of a room. It's, it's like a, a mock-up of a room. You've got the walls on the left and right-hand side, and there's a wall on the back. And then the, the fourth wall uh, is invisible. And that's like an invisible wall between because um, the audience need to be able to see the action. So, the audience imagines there's a wall there, but we can look through it. That's called the fourth wall. And usually, uh, the the performers on the the stage don't break that fourth wall. They imagine that there's a wall there as well. And if, for example, they acknowledge the presence of the audience or say something to the audience, they are breaking the fourth wall and they're kind of winking to the audience, you know? So, to break the fourth wall means to kind of... um, do something that shows, do something in a performance that shows that you're aware that the audience is there, and the whole thing is in fact just a play. So yeah, Deadpool is kind of an interesting character because he's got this uh, self-awareness and he breaks the fourth wall. Uh, Luciano says, um, "Conan the Barbarian." Yeah, that's right. Because I forgot about Conan the Barbarian, and I, I mentioned Arnold Schwarzenegger in a recent episode. Um saying that he he would be he would be good in a superhero film, not rock batman and Robin because that was terrible. you know all of that Ice to see you and uh a- another one he did was before he killed everyone with ice he said uh what what killed the dinosaurs, the ice age, and then he started like getting everyone with ice, what killed the dinosaurs, the ice age? Right, okay. Uh, so Conan the Barbarian, yeah. I remember watching that when I was younger on video. Arnold Schwarzenegger as a sort of barbarian warrior. I don't remember him actually saying any lines in that film, but I'm sure that he made that noise. At some point when he was fighting with, you know, someone. I think he punches a camel in that film, doesn't he? He punches a camel in the Why are you so stubborn? Don't spit on me. Bang. (laughs) Um, (sighs) Oh, dear. Uh, Min, Min Huang wrote, Dear Luke, please make a podcast about this subject. Well, Min Huang, your request has been realised. And here they they are. And this is the last one. Uh, Ricardo says, Superman, for sure. And uh, Jean or Jean says, Super Luke, for sure. Thanks for that one. Francesco says, Deadpool, because he's a badass. Okay, fair enough. Um, a Russian person who's written their name in Cyrillic, and I've got no idea how to pronounce it, says, I think it's Superman, because he's Superman. Okay, fair enough. Good argument. Good argument there. Uh, Virginia says, Wonder Woman, because she's a woman. Okay. Yeah, we don't have that many female superheroes, really, which is a, kind of a, an issue for diversity. Uh, except the X-Men. There are a few female superheroes in there, like Jean Grey, for example. She's arguably the most powerful of the X-Men. Or X-Women. Yeah. It, it, it's, does, is that sexist, that they're called the X-Men and the half of them are women? It's like, excuse me, I think you will find I'm not an X-Man. I'm an X-Woman. Um, none of them seem to be bothered by that, so I suppose it's okay. Jennifer Lawrence doesn't seem to care. And... Uh, Does she? I don't know if she's spoken about that. She's normally quite sort of uh, right on about... She's quite active about sort of, you know, diversity, women's rights and things, isn't she? Um, Gloria said uh, the best superhero for her is El Chapulín Colorado, who is apparently a Mexican superhero. I don't know if I got the pronunciation right. El Chapulín Colorado. Because although he is a coward, he manages to overcome his fears... By Chespirito. Right, I don't know what that is. I I hadn't heard of El Chapulin Colorado. But he sounds interesting. Uh alright then. I think we're nearly there. Uh Ricardo says, My favorite superhero is Spider-Man because he uh he fights to win his money. He's f- <laughs> He fights to win his money. He fights to win his money like me. He's not rich like Batman. Although Batman kicks ass. <laughs> okay. Fair enough, yeah. He makes money. He makes his own money, doesn't he, Spider Man? Fair enough, you know. You gotta respect that. He's like a he's like a player, right? M- lots of money. I don't know what I'm talking about there. Levu QC, the who's already been on this podcast, I mean, mentioned, her name's been mentioned. Still don't know how to pronounce your name. But that's fine. Levuci says Iron Man, because of Ronald... Ronald? No, Robert. What's happened to my head? Iron Man, because of Robert Downey Jr.'s fantastic portrayal. Yes. It is a fantastic portrayal. Ethan Lee said, Okay, so the answer is Captain America, and here's why. Hold on. And he's put a YouTube link up here. This is a link to a an American stand-up comedian called Roy Wood Jr. doing a stand-up set. And uh, let's have a listen to this. All right, so this is Roy Wood Jr. on Conan. Uh, Not Conan the Barbarian, but Conan O'Brien's TV show. Conan O'Brien is a very funny uh, comedian from America, and he does a chat show which is called Conan. I I can't remember which. Is it the Late Show? The Late, Late Show with Conan O'Brien? Anyway, the Conan Show. And Roy Wood Jr. did a bit of stand up, but let's have a listen to a little bit of it. Uh, This is on YouTube.
0: Welcome back to our show, the very funny Roy Wood Jr.
1: By the way, I should probably mention that Roy Wood Jr. is an African-American stand-up. And I only say that because I think that you sort of need to know that in order to get one of the jokes. I actually can't remember what he jokes about, so I might be wrong. I might be wrong about that, but I seem to remember he does some jokes about his appearance and how that relates to Captain America. Uh, let's find out, anyway.
0: Yeah. Let's start. <laughs> I had an argument with one of my friends over who's the best superhero. First of all, the answer is Captain America, okay? He's the best superhero. He has an African-American sidekick. That's, that trumps any other superhero. That trumps Wolverine, Spider-Man, I don't care who you pick. Captain America is the only superhero fighting evil and black unemployment. That is amazing. (laughs) You have to respect that. He has a black sidekick, his, his name's the Falcon. He's portrayed by Anthony Mackey. and the Falcon, he's, he's got this jetpack and he flies around, he's wearing jeans, first of all. He's dressed casually to fight evil. <laughs> <laughs> and he flies around and helps Captain America out, and that's cool. And If you don't know Captain America's story, this is why this is so groundbreaking. He's, he's a white dude from the 1940s who accidentally gets frozen. They thaw him out in present day, and he goes right back to fighting crime. He didn't even eat breakfast. He just went, he just went oh. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson just handed him a uniform and a shield, and he was gone with a black sidekick. He's a white man from the 1940s, and he didn't ask a single question about desegregation. <laughs> it's, it's amazing.
1: All right. You get that? You get that? So uh, the amazing thing is he's a white guy from the 1940s. He came, he was thawed out, he was frozen in ice, thawed out in the present day, went straight back to work, (sighs) uh, didn't, and immediately got a black sidekick. And he, there were no questions about segregation at all. He was like, wait a minute. No, no, no questions at all. He was like uh, completely uh, okay with it because, you know, 1940s America was a very different time. There was segregation between blacks and whites and so on. Now uh, Captain America not bothered not bothered by that at all. Great.
0: He would have been justified from waking from his 70-year nap with a couple of questions. <laughs> As soon as you wake up as a frozen white dude, and the first person you see is Samuel L. Jackson, you might get a little uncomfortable. Walks in the room. I need you for the Avengers. Hey, I don't take orders from your kind. Then the Falcon flies in the room. He freaks out, oh my God, they're flying now. They got flying Negroes. Oh my God, I don't trust either of you black people. Get away from me, black people. Take me to the president. <laughs>
1: All right, that's fantastic. Really good um really good suggestion, Ethan. Nice one. That's Roy Wood Jr. Um you'll find the uh you'll find a link on the page for this episode uh for that video. Uh check out Roy Wood Jr. very funny man there. All right then. So, um uh, now then, uh finally Anton says Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. I don't know if Sherlock Holmes counts as a superhero. He's obviously brilliant and everything. Uh is he a superhero? If Sherlock Holmes counts as a superhero i'm i'm gonna I'll choose Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes as well all right um I mean, I suppose what he's got does he have special powers the powers of deduction kind of he's almost a superhero I think he's technically a super detective um okay, then so that's the end of this episode, and also the end of this mini series on superhero films. The plan now is to turn to more real world issues on the podcast, because the UK is due to have its referendum on the European Union, the membership of the European Union, in less than a month. So that's the Brexit situation. Okay, so there's plenty to talk about there. But uh, okay, film fans, that's it for this one. I'll speak to you again soon. And thank you very much for listening. For now, though, it's just time to say goodbye, bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English podcast. Can't touch this. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is
0: a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars